everybody, Dan Binder Boneyard, coming at you from the office desk of the parts whole <laughs> book storage library, dog kennel, bathroom, break room, microwave storage area. Um, it is a gray, gloomy day outside. Apparently it rained today. I don't know. I've been on the road all day today. Um, this is Friday, so you are Saturday. Uh, yeah, it's gray and gross. Kind of rained off and on, which is not super common around here, but uh, it does happen occasionally. So, um, yeah, weather's changing, leaves are falling. This goddamn cottonwood tree is about bald. Thank you, finally. So, um, yeah, just been working away on various projects and trying to, you know, get new work, quick turn new work, which we do a fair amount of, you know, breaks and shit like that. And, and then some of the long-term restoration work we're trying to bang out as well. So trying to keep everybody happy pretty much means nobody's happy. So anyway, uh, I appreciate you guys. Thank you very much for uh, tuning in, for listening, for telling a friend, for sharing, sharing the job. Sorry, sharing the podcast uh, with your friends. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, very much get the word out there it's kind of strange people are like who would listen to an all international podcast and then every time i tell somebody or somebody finds out they're like holy crap this is what i've always needed so uh you know it's it's funny how nobody knows that they would enjoy it until they find out there is one and then all of a sudden it's the greatest thing ever so anyway um appreciate it thank you for for sharing it Thank you for your support on Patreon, uh, everybody that's donating or pledging there, the monthly, you know, dollar a month, whatever. It all helps. Don't, you know, enough people pledge a dollar, it, it goes a long ways. So I really appreciate it. Uh, and you guys that are pledging more than a dollar, that's great too. Um, you guys are heroes and, uh, and I don't know what I would do without you guys. These things aren't free. Uh, they cost money. Uh, this microphone cost me money. My production guy costs money. Uh, you know, this stuff is, it, it, everything costs money. So every little bit helps, and uh, and I appreciate you guys for it. And then, you know, of, of course, the Instagram and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, it's all part of the, the greater good. So I, I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, don't want you guys to think that I don't. I know sometimes I'm kind of short and gruff uh, on the socials, but uh, but no, deep down, it's nothing but gratitude and uh, love for you guys. So, um, speaking of love and gratitude, I've been realizing some stuff here lately uh, that I'm starting to see. The thing with internationals is the core owner group is getting older. Uh, they are our grandpas they are even our dads that are getting you know 70 years old um it's a lot of you guys are getting internationals passed down to you you're pulling out of grandpa's field pulling it out of you know the barn or your dad's garage or whatever is happening um and it is what i'm seeing a lot of 
uh, is the people don't remember stuff. Uh, you know, you say, you know, grandpa died or something like that. And you looking at his scout or his pickup and you're like, what the hell is this? Why is this routed this way? Why is it done like this? Why, you know, this obviously, and I've seen it a lot. This front axle is not an international axle. Uh, what is it? So what I'm really encouraging you guys to do, uh, with, your rigs, if you are looking to inherit one or there is one in the garage, even if you don't inherit it, you don't want to be morbid and think about your parents passing or whatever, get a notebook, sit down and before they lose their minds, because that's this is what prompted this. I met with a friend today that uh, he's, his dementia is getting worse and he can't remember any all day. Every time he talked about an engine, he referred to it as a 347 instead of a 345. So uh, you know, his mind is going, but get a notebook, sit down with that loved one. And you don't have to go over the whole entire rig at the, at that moment. But you know, every time you're around the scout or every time you're around that person, ask him a few things, find out some history, put it in the book, figure out where the carburetor went, where the, why did they change the front axle? What, you know, when was the last time the brakes were done? When was the last time, you know, like just uh, get get a good history of the vehicle or the best you can uh, before it's too late, before their mind is gone, before they don't remember anything or before they die. And, and then you're really out, you know, some days people with dementia and, and Alzheimer's and stuff, they're, they'll, they'll have some good moments and they remember things and then it kind of fades away again. Um, so yeah, I encourage you check out the rigs and maybe do a little sleuthing on your own first. Look at the truck. Something doesn't look right. Something seems out of the ordinary. Uh, it's been on jack stands for years. Figure out why. Uh, you know, know what questions to ask, uh, beforehand, um, do some internet looking around that kind of stuff and, and then see what you're dealing with. Um, because yeah, the last thing you want is to end up with it, not know anything about it. And then it ends up in my shop and I'm going, what the hell is all this shit? And, uh, you know, and then it doesn't help anybody when nobody knows anything. So, yeah, that's, that's um, something I really, I really encourage you guys to do. And, and speaking of trying to undo fuckery, um, you know, someone asked the other day, what makes uh, my shop, Binder Boneyard, different than all the other international shops out there? And in some respects, I'm not. I'm the same as, as IH Parts, I'm the same as Old Iron, I'm the same as, you know, anything Scout. Uh, I've, we all do restoration work, we all strive for the best possible product, we all try to put our own little spin on our restorations. Um, but I would say the one thing that makes us different or per people perceive us as different because of social media is all of the little jobs we do. We do a ton of basic updates. 
you know, an 800 comes in, it gets a tune-up, it gets a starter maybe, it'll get a brake job, and then it goes out. That's it. Nothing glamorous, no lifts, no paint jobs, no power steering update, nothing like that. It just gets the basic stuff, and then uh, that's it. And, you know, we we um you know we do a lot of that stuff you know and and i what i see on the social medias is a lot of these shops don't post the pictures of those sorts of things you know they're because it's not glamorous it's not interesting to see you know new wheel cylinders and shoes it's really not and i and i can tell because when i post pictures of a brake job it gets a hundred likes when i post a picture of a travel all with shiny paint on 36s, it gets 700 likes. So of course, people are gonna gravitate towards the most popular shit. But I like to show off the basic work, the small stuff. My Instagram story yesterday was assembling a two barrel Holly carburetor. Not fucking glamorous, not exciting, but it's the gritty nuts and bolts of keeping these things on the, on the road. And so, you know, I think that's the difference in my shop versus some of the other shops. It's just what we show, what we do. I mean, I know Levi does brakes. I know IH Parts America does carb rebuilds. Uh, I know, you know, these other shops are doing the same work that I'm doing, but it's not glamorous, so you don't see it. Um, and so that's where that's where I'm at. I'm I'm all about showing what we're doing all across the board, not just the shiny shit, um, you know, because it's all important. I believe, you know, a working carburetor is just as important as the, you know, freshly installed Detroit locker in the rear end. Like they, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just, it's all important to the overall health of the vehicle. So, um, you know, that's, I think that's one of the differences is that we just, we showcase more of our board across the board skills and, uh, and we do take on those small jobs. I do know that some shops turn away the thousand dollar, you know, tune up and break job. The, that's just, it's too time consuming and the profit's not there. Trust me, the profit's not there, but, uh, I do them because that's what keeps the rigs on the road. Uh, and I know being in the Northwest, uh, there's a lot more internationals here than there are across the country. Um, so yeah, so that's why if a rig ends up at, at Old Iron in Tennessee, um, it more than likely they're not just sending it there for an oil change. It's getting the works. And so I see that's what Levi does is the works. He does an amazing job at it. So, uh, you know, same with Scout Co. Um, in Virginia. He's not just doing oil changes. He's doing full-on restos because the rigs that are back there that's what they need but anyway i guess like i said that's what sets us apart a little bit from the other shops is just the scope of work that we do and the showcasing of how we do it uh i'm not afraid to show carb rebuilds and see quote unquote secrets um because you know it's for the greater good of everything so speaking of carb rebuilds if you did see on Instagram yesterday, um, Thursday, 
rebuilt a 2300, which is the standard two-barrel Holly, and uh, it's on pre, I'm going to say 74, 75 uh, scouts and trucks, travel alls, two-barrel Holly. Uh, it's a 350 CFM. You know, the this particular one was a manual choke, uh, and I know the, the automatic chokes came on uh, in the early 70s. I prefer the manual choke um, because it just gives you so much more control over cold starting. And, you know, let's say you develop a vacuum leak out on the trail or in, the, in whatever you're doing. You close the choke a little bit, turn the choke um, throttle screw out so it doesn't accelerate a lot. But just it just you can close the choke to choke down some air hence the name choke, and then make up for that vacuum leak enough to get you home or to get you wherever you need to go. Um, so I, I really like the the usability of a manual choke. Uh, so, so if you saw that, I was rebuilding that. Um, we have a parts washer here that's for carburetors and that sort of stuff. I don't know what the chemical is that's in it, it's kind of an orange color. It's from Safety Clean. Um, it will burn the shit out of your skin. And if you leave brass or aluminum in it for more than an hour, you will come back to dust. Um, it is very corrosive, but man, the shit works. And it works well. So, um, you know, I break the carb down, peel off the gaskets best I can, knock out the grit, um, and then I throw them in there, turn that thing on, and it swishes kind of back and forth, back and forth. Let it run for 10 minutes, and then I start picking out the clean pieces, the pieces that don't need to swish anymore, because like I said, this stuff is corrosive and dangerous, so there's no sense in leaving parts in there longer than they need to be. Start picking out hardware, pieces, whatever. I try not to put springs in there, the little springs, because um, they'll get caught in stuff and then the swishing action will actually stretch the springs out and fuck them up so i don't uh don't use that um uh, don't put springs in there i mean so then yeah i just start picking out the pieces and and then after they come out of there i dry them off with a rag best i can and then i spray them with brake clean that gets rid of all that solvent and any other varnish or or what carbon that the solvent doesn't touch the brake clean will then I blow it off with air, uh, especially things like metering blocks, uh, anything with a passage in it. So the main body of the carb, even the bowl has that little accelerator pump um, squirt passage. So, you know, blow everything out after you've hit it with the acetone or uh, brake clean. Brake clean is acetone, essentially. So, and again, non-chlorinated, if you remember the weld, uh, <laughs> the welding podcast non-chlorinated brake clean just keep it in. don't even get chlorinated brake clean so that there's never a chance of you using it when you're welding so anyway um after that what i try and do as well is as i tear the carb apart i set the gaskets aside the old gaskets if they come apart whole great i set them aside or even if they just tear a little bit set them aside the washers all that stuff so that when you go to reassemble with your new kit, you have some comparison. Um, and I've, you know, 
I've done enough of these things that I can look at them. I don't even need the old gaskets. I don't need shit. I can just do it. But you guys that haven't, um, yeah, don't get rid of anything. Uh, and I also recommend taking photos. If this is a first or second or third time you've done it, I say use your phone, take some pictures, all four sides of the carb before you take it apart. And then as you're disassembling, every time you, you discover a new part, like when you remove the bowl, take a photo of what the bowl looked like inside. Take a photo of the metering block. Take the metering block off. Take a photo of it. So you know which direction the power valve goes, the way the jets go. Make sure you get the right gasket for the power valve. Uh, the same with the base. When you undo the base, take a photo of it, the way it looks coming apart because there's linkages and stuff that attach to it that you need to pay attention, the direction that they go. Uh, and then on a four barrel, it's, it's just twice as much. Same thing, both two sides, just double it. So... Uh, but this 2300, you know, it was very basic, mechanical choke. Clean it, slapped it back together with new gaskets, made sure everything was snug, but not too snug. You, you want things tight, but you don't want them gorilla tight because you can warp the bowl, you can warp the base. Uh, so don't do that. Just, um, you know, snug. Snug is good. Uh, most of these are flathead slotted, you know, slotted screws for flathead screwdriver. Um, the ones with Phillips, like the um, accelerator pump housing, and uh, some of them I've seen have Phillips screws in the base uh, to the body of the base. Those you can get tighter, so be careful when you're tightening those down. Do not use power tools, of course. If you're using a fucking nut driver or something, just stop. You do it by hand, okay? I know you have a fancy fucking Ryobi that your wife got you for Christmas or whatever. Don't use it. Do it by hand. Uh, it's just, it's safer. Because once you ruin something, once you strip out that thread and that base or whatever, you pretty, it's very hard to bring that car back. I don't have the technology to, you know, be JB welded and then tap new threads into it. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But Healy coil it, maybe. But I have a pile of, of used Hollies that I can draw, apart, draw from if I have a broken part or a stripped something, which I do find when, they, when I take them apart. Sometimes they've got stripped threads and, and they're just, people glue the gaskets in because the threads won't tighten up, which is another huge pet peeve of mine. Do not use any sealer of any kind on those carb gaskets. Do not. And now, remember, I'm just referring to Hollies. This is a Holly 2300. Not, I don't fucking care about you guys' Webers and your Edelbrocks, your Quadrajet. That's not what I'm, not what I'm talking about. Those, I'm, I'm talking about 2300 Hollies. So before you send me a shitty message about how the whatever, shut up. It's 2300 Holly. Don't use any sealer. Uh... Your kit, if you get it from Napa or you get it right from Holly through Summit or whoever, uh, they have a little bit of instructions in there, like how to set the float uh, and all that. It's, they're decent. Just follow along. Um, you know, just step by step, do the reverse order of how you took it apart. And, uh, you know, chances are if you cleaned it good, lots of solvent, 
lots of air, checked all your passages, you're you're going to have a successful rebuild. Uh, and then, you know, new base gasket, do not reuse the old base gasket, and do not use the base gasket that comes in the kit because it's just a little shitty piece of paper. Um, if you stand by for a second, I will give you the Felpro carb base part number. It is, as I walked over to the gasket shelf, the part number is 60677. This is the appropriate two barrel carburetor base gasket. It has the tongue that protects the float bowl from heat soak. It's nice and thick. Um, you know, it's for all the V8s, even the 392 that had a two barrel and they did have two barrel. There were 500 CFM two barrel that came on some 392s. Um, but otherwise it's, they were 350 CFM across the board. Uh, but this is for 266 up to all of them. So that part number again is Felpro 60677. You can get it from Summit, uh, whatever. So there you go. There's that. Um, that tip and you know I talked about following the instructions and, and the step-by-steps if you do not have the shop manual for your vehicle I highly highly recommend you get one and I'm not talking about the fucking climber or the Chilton or the Hanes those are fucking pieces of shit and I'm aggressively cussing today because I've had a hell of a day anyway uh, you want the specific shop manual from international harvester you want you know binder books has it ih parts america i've got a few you know just they sell them by model and so just call them and order the one you need yeah i know it's like 90 bucks and you're gonna cry about it because it's so expensive and i see you guys on the internet does anybody have a picture of the wiring diagram does anybody have this well, what I'm starting to see is the same fucking guys are asking the same fucking questions that they could have answered if they just spent the $90 and had the manual. And it gets really old watching these guys try and just, you know, get everybody else to answer all their questions for them when if they had just bought the book, you know, they could have fed themselves instead of asking everyone else to spoon feed them. So buy the goddamn book. Uh, it's worth every fucking penny. I promise. Uh, that's I. I got it when I got my '66, my very first Scout. The guy threw in the manual. He had one, threw it in. Invaluable, because it's not just. There's a lot of things that apply to different models. It's not just for your model. That you know, the engine section is for for four cylinders or V8s. Uh, you know, that covers pretty much every international made. Uh, in, in that, you know, that would have had one of those engines. So, you know, there's a lot of information in them that crosses the makes or the models. I'm sorry, crosses the models. So spend the money, get the book. Uh, it's worth every, every penny, I promise. Um, and sometimes if you're lucky, you'll go to like antique store or swap meet and you'll find the big ones. Um, like I have a 2300 I think that's what it's called. Um, the 2300 book, which is like covers load stars and pickups and scouts and everything. And it's like two feet, two feet thick. Like it is a massive book. Um, I, I bought it at nationals two years ago off this old guy for a hundred bucks. And 
Um, it was very, very, very well worth it. It had a lot of like travel all, travel at, um, cab dimensions inside of it. It had, it had a lot of information that uh, I hadn't seen before. So if you guys are looking at looking for books, go to your local antique store, local bookstore, antique bookstore. Some of you guys in the major cities have those. Um, we don't, we're not lucky enough to have shit like that out here. But yeah, if you find something like that, it's going to have a lot of good information and you're going to want it. You know, there's the car rebuild sections. There's, there is that stuff. So, um, again, just do it. And there's a whole section in the back for notes. So this all loops back around to the beginning where I said of talking to your grandpa, or your dad or whoever about their rig before they die and, and all that information is gone. Write it in the back of the fucking manual or the service book, whatever. Uh, then you've got it right there all the time. The repair manual and the notes from, you know, your dad telling you what he did in 1978, you know, or whatever. So, um, again, it all comes back around and, and it's worth, it's worth every penny to have that information written down. Uh, cause these guys are dying. People are dying. This hard, this stuff's getting harder to find, harder to retain. Uh, it's pretty bad when I'm, I'm almost 40 and I'm considered a youngster in this industry. And I know a lot of what I know because of the old guys and I pay attention when they fucking talk. So you guys should do the same. Sit down with your grandpa, sit down with your dad, sit down with whoever owned your scout before you or your international pickup or whatever, and figure out what janky shit they did so that you know what parts you need or how to undo it or why they did it. Because there might be a bigger problem and it's just, you know, it's what it is. So anyway, um, I think I'm going to chop it off here. You guys, thank you again. I uh, appreciate all the support. Enjoy your Saturday. Uh, remember Dan from Binder Boneyard loves you very much. Mm -hmm.